the Exponential Technology Report, 6th of November 2019. Organization podcast. I'm your host, Lance Pepler. And this is the weekly fo- report focusing on the news stories for this week that focus on exponential technologies. The show is sponsored by IdeaStorm, a leading exponential growth consultancy. They can provide services ranging from an hour advisory call with a network of over 2,000 consultants worldwide through to the 10 week exo sprint. Visit www.ideastorm.co.za to find out more. Just to let you know that we are holding an Exponential Organization event on Wednesday, the 27th of November 2019, so about two weeks' time. If you're in Johannesburg, then it would be great to have you. Apart from the talks by Colin Isles, Craig Tablanche, and myself, we'll also have Vitz showcasing their really great robotic hand development, and Eden Labs Labs, um, brings their VR headsets to show us their amazing work. The cost is 495 Rand, and you can book your tickets by looking for Exponential Organization event on Quicket. I will have a link in my show notes as well. A reminder that the exponential technologies fall into different categories, and these categories are 3D printing and digital fabrication, artificial intelligence, augmented and virtual reality, autonomous vehicles, blockchain, data science, digital biology and biotechnology, digital medicine, drone technology, Internet of Things, nanotechnology, networks and computing systems, quantum computing and robotics. And what's even more amazing is that often these exponential categories and technologies are merging to form new ones. For example, self-driving cars are a combination of artificial intelligence, Internet of Things and other exponential technologies. So the world is an exciting place. One more reminder is that you can download a copy and a printed version of this exponential report if you go to www.adsstorm.co.za and subscribe to the blog. And you can also click on the Exponential Technologies tab and download a PDF of all the different um, exponential technologies that's been featured in the last five weeks that I've done this particular version of the podcast. So here we go. The first story is from 3D printing and digital fabrication. And the article is... Liquid-in-liquid printing method could put 3D printed organs in reach. This is from sciencemag.org. And the article goes, 3D printed tissues and organs could revolutionize transplants, drug drug screens, and lab models. But replicating complicated body parts such as gastric tracts, windpipes, and blood vessels is a major challenge. That's because these vascularized tissues are hard to build up in traditional solid layer-by-layer 3D printing without constructing supporting scaffolding that can later prove impossible to remove. One potential solution is replacing these support structures with liquid, a specifically designed fluid matrix into which liquid designs could be injected before the ink is set and the matrix is drained away. But past attempts to make such aqueous structures have literally collapsed as their surfaces shrink and their structures crumble into useless blobs. So researchers from China turn to water-loving or hydrophilic liquid polymers that create a stable membrane when they meet, thanks to the attraction of their hydrogen bonds. The researchers say various polymer combinations could work. They used a polymethane oxide matrix and an ink made of long carbohydrate molecules called dextrin. They pumped their ink into the matrix with an injection nozzle 
that can move through the liquid and even suck up and rewrite lines that have already been drawn. The resulting liquid structures can hold their shape for as long as 10 days. Not long enough yet, they need to work on it a bit more. Before they begin to merge. The team reported last month in the magazine Advanced Materials. Using their met new method, the researchers printed an assortment of complex shapes, including tornado-esque whirls, single and double helixes, branched tree-like shapes, and even one that resembles a goldfish. Once printed, printing is finished, the shapes are set by adding polyvinyl alcohol to the inky portion of the structure. That means, the scientists say, that complex 3D printed tissues made by including living cells in the ink could soon be within our grasp. So, now, that, what that means, of course, is that when you want to have a heart or a liver or any kind of organ transplant, you might just want one grown for you. It's the world we're entering in very soon. The next category is from artificial intelligence. And this article is AI to make literary leaps. Now we need the rules to catch up. And that's from theguardian.com in the UK. Last February, OpenAI, an artificial intelligence research group based in San Francisco, announced that it had been training an AI language model called GPT-2. And that is now generates coherent paragraphs of text achieves state-of-the-art performance on many language modeling benchmarks and performs rudimentary reading comprehension, machine translation, question answering and summarization, all without task-specific training. If true, this could be a big deal, but said OpenAI, due to our concerns about malicious applications of the technology, we are not releasing the trained model. As an experiment in responsible disclosure, we are instead releasing a much smaller model for researchers to experiment with as well as a technical paper. Given that OpenAI describes itself as a research institute dedicated to discovering and enacting the path to safe artificial general intelligence, this cautious approach to releasing a potentially powerful and disruptive tool into the wild seems appropriate. But it appears to have outraged many researchers in the AI field, for whom release early and release often is a kind of mantra. After all, without full disclosure of program code, training data set, neural network weights, etc., how could independent researchers decide whether the claims made by OpenAI about its systems are valid? The replicability of experiments is a cornerstone of scientific method. So the fact that some academic fields maybe experience a replication crisis is worrying. We don't want the same to happen to AI. If the row over GPT-2 has had one useful outcome, it is a growing realization that the AI research community needs to come up with an agreed set of norms about what constitutes responsible publication. At the moment, as Professor Rebecca Kutoff points out in an illuminating analysis on the Lawfare blog, there is no agreement about AI researchers' publication obligations. And of all the proliferating ethical AI guidelines, only a few entities explicitly acknowledge that there may be times when limited release is appropriate. At the moment, the law has little to say about any of this. So we're currently at the same stage as we were when governments first started thinking about regulating medicinal, medicinal drugs. And um, so, when you next pick up your book to read, who knows if it's going to be a computer that wrote it or if it's going to be an author. So let's see how that works. The next one's also from Artificial Intelligence. And did you know that Terminator... Um, is now 35 years old, and the reason for this article is because there's a new Terminator movie that's just been released. So this article is Terminator at 35, How AI and the Militarization of Tech Has Evolved by NBCNews.com.
In the 35-year span since the launch of the first Terminator movie, a variety of technological advancements in AI and robotics have brought elements of Terminator closer to reality. Artificial intelligence experts are confident, however, that the kind of independent AI and humanoid robots of the movie franchise are still far off. Thank goodness. But they also offer a warning. The developments that people have made in AI and military technology could create their own kind of judgment day. AI is a powerful technology, but it's a tool not, not unlike a pencil, Oren Itsuzoni, CEO of the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence, told NBC News. How it's used is, is in the hands of people. AI may not yet boast self-awareness, but it already rivals, in some cases surpasses human intelligence across a range of applications, including reading CT scans, spotting shoplifters, as well as helping self-driving cars navigate crowded cities. Developers have not have, made, have not made artificially intelligent machines to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but they can at least make one sound exactly like podcast host Joe Rogan to the point where it can fool human listeners. In fact, who knows if it's me speaking. Panicking at this stage of the technology's development, Etzazoni said, is like being worried about overpopulation on Mars before we can have gotten a person on Mars. When might we feel the need to push the panic button? Estimates vary wildly. Some experts interviewed by NBC News predict the singularity, roughly defined as the time when an artificial intelligence will surpass human intelligence and be able to evolve autonomously, will arrive as soon as 15 years from now. Others say it will be closer to a century. One point that everyone agrees on, however, is a computer will eventually surpass its creators. And when it does, it's not clear it will be possible to program enough safeguards for humans to remain the apex programmers. So that's a warning. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, next one. Augmented and virtual reality. This is an article titled, Google Update Makes Chrome Ready for Web-Based VR. And this is from Engadget.com. VR systems are getting more advanced, but they're still primary av primarily available on niche hardware and software. That could be about to change, with the latest beta version of Google's Chrome browser supporting web-based VR. The beta of Chrome 79 reveals the details about the support for web-based virtual reality VR experiences. Developers can create websites which co with content including games, 360-degree videos, and immersive art using the WebXR device API, with controllers supported by the GamePad API. Sites can be displayed on a smartphone or on a head-mounted display such as an Oculus Quest. Support for let me just go down there. Support for web-based VR content will be coming to other Chromium-powered browsers in addition to Chrome soon, including Firefox Reality, Oculus Browser, Edge and Magic Leaps, Helio. In the future, Chrome and other browsers will support augmented reality features as well. You can download the beta of Chrome 79 now or wait for the features to make their way to the main Chrome browser on December the 10th. Okay. Next category, autonomous vehicles. They often feature in this technology review. And the article is, MIT uses shadows to help autonomous vehicles see around corners by techcrunch.com. We're, we're still not at the point where autonomous vehicle systems can best human drivers in all scenarios, but the hope is that eventually technology being incorporated into self-driving cars will be capable of things human, humans can't even fathom, like seeing around corners. There's been a lot of work and research put into this concept for years, but MIT's newest system uses relatively affordable and readily available technology to pull off this seemingly magical trick. MIT researchers 
in a research project backed by Toyota Research Institute, created a system that uses minute changes in shadows to predict whether or not a vehicle can expect a moving object to come around a corner, which could be an effective system for, for use not only in self-driving cars, but also in robots that navigate shared spaces with humans, like autonomous hospital attendants, for instance. This system employs standard optical cameras and monitors changes in the strength and intensity of light using a series of computer system vision techniques to arrive at a final determination of whether shadows are being projected by moving or stationary objects and what the path of said object might be. In testing so far, this method has actually been able to best similar systems already in use that employ LIDAR imaging in place of photographic cameras that don't work around corners. In fact, it beats the LIDAR method by over half a second, which is a long time in the world of self-driving cars and could mean the difference between avoiding an accident and, well, not. Okay, blockchain. This is a, quite a short little article that I just wanted to bring to your attention. Um, Bitcoin, the article is called Bitcoin Spikes as China Embraces Blockchain. <clears throat> and this is from Forbes.com. So last week I had an article on President Xi um, Jinping and he expressed his support for blockchain saying the country needs to take advantages of the opportunities the technology provides. And you'll hear China mentioned a lot in these exponential technology reports. They really are streaking ahead of everybody else it seems. Anyway, Bitcoin saw a major jolt last week after this happened and their, their shares, their prices actually soared from $7,500 to $10,500 in just a few hours following his remarks. So hopefully you bought your Bitcoin before then. Okay, next one. And this is quite an amazing story. It's from the Digital Biology and Biotechnology and section. And the article is Meet the Pigs That Could Solve the Human Organ Transplant Crisis. And this is in technologyreview.com. And the article, which... I always encourage everyone to go and read and download and have a look at. And once again, you can find them in my blog uh, on www.adiastorm.co.za. But this story tells uh, about a lady called Kessler, who has gone to have a look at this um, scientific research institution, and which is actually a farm. And this is her story. So the facility lies midway between Munich city center and its international airport, roughly 23 miles to the north. From the outside, it still looks like the state-run farm it once was, but peer through the window of the old farmhouse and you'll see rooms stuffed with cutting-edge laboratory equipment. When Kessler unlocks one pen to show off its resident, a young sow wanders out and starts exploring. Like other pigs here, the sow is left nameless, so caregivers won't get too attached. She has to be coaxed back in behind a metal gate. To the untrained eye, she acts and looks pretty much like any other pig, but smaller. It's what's inside this animal that matters. Her body has been made a little less pig-like, with four genetic modifications that make her organs more likely to be accepted when transplanted into a human. If all goes according to plan, the heart busily pumping inside a pig like this might one day beat inside a person. Different types of tissues from genetically engineered pigs are already being tested in humans. In China, Researchers have transplanted insulin-producing pancreatic islet cells from gene-edited pigs into people with diabetes. A team in North Korea says it's ready to try transplanting pig corneas into people once it gets government approval. And Massachusetts General Hospital researchers announced in October that they have used gene-edited pig skin as a temporary wound covering for a person with severe burns. 
The skin patch, they say, worked as effectively as human skin, which is much harder to obtain, amazingly enough. But when it comes to life or death organs, like hearts and livers, transplant surgery still must rely on human parts. One day the dream goes, genetically modified pigs like the sow will be sliced open, their hearts, kidneys, lungs and livers sped to transplant centers to have desperately sick patients from death. So that adds a whole new meaning to the Chicago Med episode. Um, and I want to ask you guys, would you rather have your heart grown in a lab or in a pig? <laughs> so, something to consider. Okay, this is the last article for today, and it's quite a scary one. It's from the category of drone technology. And the article is, the drone wars are already here. This is on Bloomberg.com. So it tells us also in story format, and it begins with, the Kurdish fighters emerged from a tunnel and were spotted by a Turkish reconnaissance drone. As they were loading ammunition into a truck in a parched Syrian landscape, the drone fed their coordinates to an F-16. It attacked seconds later, sending a huge ball of flames into the air. When the smoke cleared, there was nothing left but a crater. A success, Turkey's defense ministry declared as it released a video of the strike. And you can go and have a look at that video if you click on the link in my blog. Or in the article, of course. Turkey's use of drones in such operations is highlighting the changing face of war in one of the world's most volatile regions. Unmanned aerial vehicles, or UAVs, turned the tide in Ankara's decades-old counterinsurgents against the separatist Kurdistan Workers' Party in the countries southeast, northern Iraq, and Syria. In addition, the deployment of drones has saved the lives of Turkish soldiers, soldiers and money for the defense ministry. Now it's using UAVs to gain the upper hand against the Kurdish party's sister organization, the People's Protection Units. After US troops began withdrawing on October the 9th, Turkish drones in tandem with fighter jets started pounding a strip of land along the border with Syria to clear the way for its troops. In most cases, they reached the scene of the attack and confirmed the enemy was totally destroyed, says Nikat al-Azran, a strategist at the Economic Policy Research Foundation in Ankara. Together, at least three different types of drones have been deployed. Many drones used for surveillance and photography, the much larger Anker-5 surveillance drone, and the Barakatar TB-2, Turkey's only armed drone. The diffusion of such technology is leveling the play playing field, says Marcus, author of Israel's long war with Hezbollah, military innovation and adaption under fire. He says that because armies no longer have the monopoly on the use of drones, surveillance technology, precision capabilities, and long-range missiles, other, other actors in the region are able to impose their will on the international stage. The parameters have changed, he says. That's already leading to greater instability. For example, Hezbollah's thwarted drone strike in August was an increasingly sophisticated and more frequent drone attacks by Hamas raised the risk of another war with Israel. Meanwhile, Yemen's Houthi rebels made an impact on the global price of oil with a strike on Saudi Arabia using 25 drones and missiles. Historically, the main supplier of drones for the region was the US. It's a global leader in military drone technology, but must follow tough rules with the sale of armed UAVs. These regulations opened the way for China, which dominates the global market for smaller, less expensive drones and has fewer restrictions on sales. A Chinese Wing Long II is estimated to cost between $1 and $2 million per unit. Israel is the main regional powerhouse when it comes to making drones and deploying them. Every Israeli com command unit has a drone operator. It began using drones for photography as early as the 1960s and 70s, said Uran Atebi, 
a research fellow at the Institute of National Security Studies in Israel. She says some people believe Israel's early success inspired the continued development of UAVs in the US in the 80s and 90s. However, Israel doesn't have diplomatic relations with most of its neighbors, and its biggest customers are outside the region. Iran develops and manufactures surveillance and armed drones to compensate for the weakness of its air force, in line with the defense doctrine that prioritizes asymmetrical warfare. Iran's new been deploying them beyond its borders more regularly, and it's widely believed to pass its technology on to the Hezbollah proxies as well as the Houthis. As drone technologies proliferate, a second industry is growing, technology to, to defend against them. And just as Israel started the drone revolution, it's leading this one. Drone detection systems now make up 17% of Israel's drone industry, which itself comprises some 10% of the country's annual defensive exports according to a report from Invest in Israel, a government initiative to encourage trade. Among the frontrunners are Elbit Systems and Rafael Advanced Defense Systems. The later marks the drone dome, a takeoff in its iron drone missile defense system. So who knows what's going to happen in the Middle East and the world, actually. Um, and I saw an article as well, but it's a bit of a hoax about robots being used in armies, but I'm sure, just like the Terminator, that's just around the corner. Did I say that was the last story? Well, actually, it isn't. This is the last story. And it's also about drones. And the article is, Drones Used in Crime Fly Under the Law's Radar. And this is from the New York Times. An otherwise peaceful suburb neighborhood in Washington uh, Township began experiencing a series of explosions this past spring and summer. Homemade bombs were blowing up in front yards. Nails were raining down from the sky. Windows were left riddled with marks as if they had been shot at. For a while, the police were mystified. They could find no clues to the identity of the bomber, and they were confused about how the perpetrator could leave no footprints, tire tracks, or DNA behind. Only after a resident security camera caught a glimpse of what was going on did they crack the case. The perpetrator, it turns out, was a drone, one that the authorities say was controlled by a man who is now behind bars, accused of serious felonies. Drones pose novel and difficult problems for law enforcement. They are widely available, lightly regulated, and can be flown remotely by an operator far away from the crime scene. They have already been put to a host of horrible uses, from smuggling contraband into prisons to swarming FBI agents who are preparing for a raid. The local and state authorities are restricted by federal law from intercepting drones in flight, potentially even when a crime is in progress, although experts say that that's yet to be tested in court. They have, long been con they have long been concerns about the use of drones for smuggling. The Border Patrol caught two people flying 28 pounds of heroin over the border near Calexico, California in 2015. And in July, a man pleaded guilty to attempting to use an unregistered drone to smuggle a bag of marijuana into the state prison in Pelham. Drones are not easy to detect in flight, as the Secret Service found when one flew unnoticed over the White House grounds and crash-landed on the lawn in 2015. Audio sensors can listen for the distinctive sound of a drone, but that method does not work well in urban areas, and a drone's sound signature can be altered by changing its propellers. Cameras have limited reach and may not be able to tell a drone from a bird. Commercially manufactured drones are typically made of, largely of plastic and run on battery power, so they do not give off much heat and show off strongly on radar. Picking up a drone's radio signal is considered the most reliable way to detect one, but that does not mean the drone is easy to catch. What about using jamming systems or other technology to interfere with the drones in flight, or keep them from flying when they do not belong? 
The only agencies allowed to do this in America are the Federal Departments of Defense, Justice, Energy, and Homeland Security. For everyone else, it's illegal in all but the most exceptional circumstances, and so is taking down a drone in flight. The consensus is no one has cracked the code on countering drones. It's an unresolved challenge. Okay, that is the last one. So, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, next week there'll be more. Remember, you can go to www.ideastorm.co.za. If you don't listen to podcasts, you can download it um, you know, in Word format. And you can also download the, the PDF from my website. So, until next time, I'll have a new interview for you on Sunday night. Till next time, bye.